You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Hey everyone, it's David Wood, one of the pastors here, and uh, today we have a special guest. We have Dr. Ian Proven from Regent College. He's the uh, Old Testament professor at Regent College. He's been there for a long time, since 1997, and has authored a number of books. And if you've been around our church for a while, you will know Ian because we've had him come and do a number of different conferences over the years. Um, One of the topics that we're going to be looking at today is how can we remain hopeful in a world that is increasingly, seemingly hopeless. Um, How do you, the old line, um, how do you keep calm and carry on in the midst of a pandemic and impending war and all of the stuff that's going on? And does the Bible help us in terms of not only finding hope, but navigating our lives so that we can learn how to live a good life? And so that is going to be our topic today. And so welcome, Ian. We're so glad that you're with us. Um, I want to begin by asking you some questions. No, no, no math questions, no difficult questions, just fun questions. Um, if, let's say, uh, one could travel, which is a big if, but if one could travel anywhere in the world, where would you want to be? Well, not to live there, but I, I'd love to visit Antarctica. Antarctica. Uh, not because, I mean, I've been to many other places, but in terms of places I've never been that uh, I'd like to see, if I could do it in a way that was you know, compatible with not ruining the environment further yeah. <laughs> in such a beautiful place, I think I would love to do Antarctica. that. Well, I hear it's lovely in the spring. Um, <laughs> not the winter, <laughs> not no. The winter. Yeah. Um, what is your um, favorite book that you've ever read? Well, that's a tricky one. Um, of course, I suppose everyone loves Lord of the Rings. I suppose that's true. So I'm not going to say that. Um, a book that people might not necessarily know quite so well would be Victor Hugo's book Les Miserables, ah. which people might know from the musical and the movies and stuff, but the book is something else. The book is really worth It's a long book, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, yeah, that would be one of my all-time favorites, I think. Okay, well, um, related to that, what's your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. Well, not the movie of Les Miserables. <laughs> Neither. You didn't like Russell Crowe? No, 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 no. It's, it's a horrible movie. <laughs> and the older ones aren't much better. There's an old black and white one that's really not much better. In terms of, of more recent, reasonably recent movies, I think The Matrix has a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a very interesting, quasi-prophetic movie. Mm-hmm. that speaks to our cultural moment in all sorts of interesting ways. Did you see the, the, the newer one? I've been warned not to see it. It doesn't look very yeah, good. I haven't no. seen it. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's shift gears because you've written a book. You've written a number of books. And, uh, but this latest one, Seeking What is Right, deals with a pretty interesting theme, uh, and that is the good life. And um, what is the good life? Like, what do you mean by this? Well, I mean, I think what I want to mean by that is what Scripture means by it, but that's not the reason that I chose the language. Hmm. Um, I chose the language because I want to enter into an ongoing conversation in in our culture about what is good and how do we know what does it consist of. So what is the... 
what is virtue? I mean, a lot of people are actually asking questions like that. There's a lot of books being written on what counts as virtue. And I, I think trying to um, create a bridge from the church to the world to speak into that kind of set of issues. Um, I mean, if you ask most people, do you aspire to be good? I think the answer they will give you is yes. I, you don't meet many people who aspire to be wicked. Um, so the question of goodness, the good life, the flourishing life, that whole kind of um, zone. So there, it is kind of a lot of conversation about being good and the mm -hmm. virtuous life. So why do you think at this particular time so much attention is being play, placed on being good? Well, I suppose it depends in which part of the world you live, but in the post-Christian Western part of the world, I think it's because we're operating in deep confusion at the moment about mm. these questions because we've lost our old foundations. The old story, as it were, that, that has on which our culture, Western Christian culture was built, is no longer widely believed or owned by people. Mm. And that casts them back on other resources because they haven't given up on the idea of being good. But the question is, how do you know? And is it more than a matter simply of individual prejudice, my feelings about? Right. And I think a lot of people realize that, that individual people's feelings is really not a reliable basis mm -hmm. <laughs> for answering the question. There's a lot of you know, virtue signaling. There's a, lot of <laughs> There's a lot of emphasis on being good, especially since um, the pandemic began. Mm. Like, it, like, more conversation about what does it mean to be good, what are the right things to do um, since the pandemic started. In your book, wh why did you write this book? How does this book address some of these issues, do you think? Well, I wrote the book for two reasons. Um, the first reason is because I think within the church there's a, a loss of confidence in many quarters about the capacity of Scripture to speak clearly mm. about the good life. Mm. I often meet people, even in fairly you know, evangelical Christian contexts, who will at some point in a conversation about virtue will say, well, of course, the trouble is, uh, you know, it's your reading and it's my reading and who can decide? Even the experts can't agree, so dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Mm. And that, of course, is extraordinarily troubling just within the church because if we have come to believe that God does not reveal his will to us clearly, then we've lost, we've lost our capacity even to be the church. So mm, wow. the first purpose of the book is to encourage people that actually... Scripture is sufficiently clear to cast light on, on, on how to live. And that is true even of contemporary complicated issues like mm. sexual identity, uh, abortion, assisted suicide, even very hot button issues mm. that Scripture is capable of casting light. And the second purpose is the broader one. I'd like to think that people outside the church interested in these questions could pick this book up and read there a coherent Christian account of the good and at least think to themselves, well, you know, that's quite interesting and it's not stupid. It's, it's you mm. know, it, it's, it's making an argument and I need to think about that. Mm. This is not crazy stuff. Um, so it's partly apologetical, but the main thing in this book is really about 
um, encouraging Christians to think through why it is we hold a certain view of the good life to be right. Mm. And indeed good and beautiful, not just right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's cool. So when you look at the church today, post-COVID, is it post-COVID? Almost post-COVID? Will it ever be post-COVID? Um, let's say COVID ends, hypothetically. Um, when you look at the church, how, how optimistic are you about the Western church? Well, I'm hardly ever optimistic about <laughs> things on the level of um, human organizations mm. and so on, which doesn't mean I don't involve myself in them because, of course, one has to do what one can in, in, with the things right in front of you know, one's nose, as it were. Um, but, I mean, my confidence in the church as we have known it in a country like Canada, set up and organized in the way and educated or not in the way that it's been. Um, my optimism about our capacity to, uh, to go on flourishing and so on is, is limited. Um, <laughs> That's such I, a cool way to put I it. Think, <laughs> I think that we need to recognize the enormous need at this juncture in history for a new reformation. And that's mm, wow. something I've been saying for a number of years now. Uh, we need to think through not just why we hold Scripture to be true and what that entails for us. We need to think about how we do church and whether it's equipping us to live in this post-Christendom environment well. We need to rethink our approach to education. We have to decide whether we want to be catechized by, by the church or by Netflix, um, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a very significant moment, and I don't think many of us have woken up sufficiently yet to mm -hmm. the nature of the, the situation we find ourselves in. So one of the characteristics, I think, of Western world these days is a prevailing sense of hopelessness. Hmm. Uh, people I talk to, you know, they get worked up over things, but then if you really scratch the surface, you can see that when they look at the future, when they look at where the world's heading, there's this fear everywhere they look. I mean, these are people who have the news on 24-7, which might be part of the problem. There's always something to be afraid of. There's always a new variant. There's hmm. always, uh, you know, some nation on the other nation ready to invade. and. There's always something going on. So how, how can we remain hopeful as followers of Jesus Christ in the world that we're in today? Well, if we really are inhabiting our own story properly as we should, there is hope at every turn hmm. in the story. And I think you're right. Part of the problem is like Peter walking on the water. Uh, it's a question of where you're looking. And mm, if, wow. if you're forming your view of reality on the basis of your constant social media feeds and the rest of that, you're not even getting a, a very clear idea of reality as it mm. currently is, much less any reason to hope for the future. Um, our hope surely does not lie in the next decision of a government or indeed in the next set of decisions by our increasingly hopeless neighbors. I mean, it's a very dangerous thing for people to lose hope, by the way, mm -hmm. 
uh, when you get to that nihilism, that kind of what the heck, um, it, it's, it's all corrupt, it's hopeless, let's burn it down. Yeah, which is yeah. where a lot of the kind of mob culture, yeah. the cancel culture is, hmm. where it's all equally bad, there's nothing good about it. That's a very dangerous moment. Hmm. If that hopelessness really does continue to drive people's behavior, rather than idealism, for example, rather hmm. than hopeful idealism. Um, I think we have to step back from it as Christians and just again remind ourselves, a lot of biblical spirituality is based on remembering. Hmm. One wow, of the big biblical good. themes, yep. right, is remember, yeah. remember, yeah. remember. Our communion services, at least in some measure, remembering is, is a big idea there. Um, and it's our forgetfulness that is, I think, that lies at the heart of the, the problem here. And a lot of it has to do with... Um a, a, a non-understanding of the past and, 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 and viewing the past as inherently useless. And, and indeed erasing the past. I mean, that's one of the things that's going on in the culture at the moment is people just not telling the truth about the past yeah. and removing the capacity of the culture to remember things clearly. So that's the culture's problem largely, uh, but we have our own internal Christian version of the problem, which yeah. is if we can't even remember our own story mm -hmm. and have that being the driving force in our lives every day, well, of course, we are going to get sucked into the hopelessness and yeah. the nihilism of it all. Yeah. So what I'm seeing in our world and even in the church is a lot of uh, hopelessness again. It's, it's, there's a lot of heaviness in the world. What does a biblical story say to us in the midst of this heaviness? Well, I mean, this is a very crucial point because um, we inhabit a story that we hold to be true in which God created this cosmos and God is sovereignly in control of the story and is, has always been leading us on towards an ending. And because God is good and, and all-powerful, the story inevitably has a happy ending. Mm. I mean, all of, our, all of our yearning for stories with happy endings, I think, can be traced to the fact that we're image bearers of God and we're wired to hope for happy mm. endings against mm. all the evidence sometimes. So I think that this is the point, that we are bound up in a story where good has already conquered evil. And so we mustn't get so distracted by bad stuff in front of us and in the midst of us or even in our own lives. We, we mustn't fail to relocate that constantly hmm. within the great story of the goodness, the compassion, the wonder of God and, and where we're going and the fact that the, the crucial battles have already been fought and have been won. Hmm. Awesome. I think this is the proclamation of, of the church. And... Uh, uh, that that would be the that would be the answer. It's the only answer I know. If I were simply to base my hope on the empirical evidence in front of me at the present time, I would be a very gloomy person. Mm. So. Mm. No, that's good. So the reminder that uh, in the end, that all shall be well, right? Indeed, all shall be well, um, and 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 to allow our lives to be shaped by what is truly true. Yeah. Um, rather than what is on our news feeds. Um, 
Yeah, this is, and there's so much more that we can talk about, uh, but that's, I think that's a good way to end with, uh, with such a hopeful note. Uh, thank you for, for, for uh, joining us, for, for giving up uh, so much of your time, and thank you for joining us as well. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.